This is a topic that is very personal to me because most of you know my oldest kid, Teddy. He has been a piggy eater for pretty much ever since he became a toddler, and we have gotten to a much better place now, but I had a long time of really blaming myself for this and wondering where I went wrong and thinking that if I just tried hard enough, I could fix this. Or what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong that caused this to happen? And I still felt that way, even knowing what I know. So it can be really, really easy to feel like you are the problem, blame yourself. And I think sometimes, not to get too deep on y'all, but I think sometimes, at least I'll speak for myself, I do that because it feels more manageable if it feels like it was somehow or somehow could be in your control. When you have to acknowledge that this was not totally in my control, it almost feels scarier because it's like, well, I guess I, I can't fix this then. I can't completely fix this all on my own. And I'm a fixer. I think most of us as parents want to fix things for our kids. So picky eating can be a very big struggle. And you might have people who have told you that you're doing it wrong. They don't know what they're talking about most of the time. So today I'm going to talk about what are the causes of picky eating, specifically the ones that are not related to you at all that are intrinsic or your child is born with these things. And this is what a lot of people miss when they say things like, you just have to expose them to it more or, you know, just give them what you're eating. They'll eat eventually. They won't starve themselves. Well, there's a lot of factors that play into it. And I got a voicemail from a listener who wanted me address this. Her name was Amaretta. She has a five-month-old. And she said she's been listening to the podcast, so thank you, Amaretta, and she said she's heard me say that picky eating a lot of the time is genetic. Could you explain that a little bit more? So we can thank Amaretta for bringing up this topic, and I'm going to dive into it in just a second. This is the Mama Knows Nutrition Podcast. I'm Casey Barnes. I'm your host. I'm the founder of Mama Knows Nutrition. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I specialize in picky eating and just overall toddler nutrition. So on this podcast, I will dive into some of these nutrition and picky eating related issues. And we also have lots of guests on to talk about the realities of motherhood. I am not the type of person who's going to sugarcoat things because I like when people are honest with me and that's what I wanna give to you too. Plus, it's just such a challenging season having babies, young kids, toddlers, It's hard, so we need to be in this together. I do want to let you know if you're kind of unsure where your child falls on this whole picky eating thing, I do have a quiz that I will link in the show notes for you. It's a very short quiz. You answer, I don't remember, maybe like 10 questions about your child, and this will tell you, do you even actually have a picky eater, or is this just kind of toddler behavior that might resemble pickiness but isn't really what I'd consider a picky eater? 
Or on the other end, are we getting into like problem feeder territory? And don't worry, I will follow up with information after the quiz that tells you like, okay, well, what do I do from here? I've got you covered. So when we look at picky eating, we have things that affect it that can be both intrinsic and extrinsic. And the intrinsic ones are the ones I'm really going to talk about today because these are the ones that you had nothing to do with. (laughs) They're not your fault. And when we evaluate these factors, things that they are born with, it can help you understand better why your child is eating the way that they are. And it also gives you some ammunition when your lovely family members or in-laws or well-meaning friends have comments about your picky eater and they think that it's your fault. You can be like, listen, I know the truth, okay? It's not my fault. So let's talk about these things. The first one is taste perception. What does that mean? It means that in general, children do prefer higher levels of sweetness and saltiness. Again, this is due to their biology, not something you can prevent, and they are more sensitive to bitter tastes. Most children are not super into bitter tasting foods, though some perceive it more negatively than others. And vegetables tend to be bitter. So it's very normal and common for kids, younger kids especially, to not be interested in vegetables, especially the more bitter tasting ones. You have a kid who's like, they can get on board with carrots, corn, peas, some of those things that are more sweet just naturally. That makes a lot of sense. We don't know what actually causes the age-related decline in sweet preference and consumption between childhood and adulthood, but it has been observed in other mammals too, which is pretty interesting to note that it's, you know, we as humans are so complex and complicated, our behaviors and all of that, but knowing that this happens in other mammals is like, okay, so this is a real thing. Now, That's not necessarily going to make them have some other picky eating behaviors, but it does give you good context for why vegetables are so dang hard. And everything that I'm sharing with you today comes from research studies like, I'm not making this stuff up. If you wanted to get the links from me, I will happily provide them for you. Maybe I'll put a few in the show notes. The second thing that's an intrinsic factor that can play into picky eating is something called food neophobia. What's that? We all know what a phobia is. It's a fear. And so what food neophobia is, is a reluctance to eat new foods or avoidance of new foods. Sounds like your toddler maybe, right? Now, when you really get into the research, they kind of differentiate between food neophobia and picky eating slash fussy eating. But the way that I view it and from the families that I've worked with, I think it all is interrelated. This one study that I looked at that had some real good data, it reviewed five national cross-sectional studies in Ireland. They found that food neophobia tends to increase from ages one to six and then decreases through early adulthood and then kind of remains stable as an adult. And so I think studies like this are where we get the idea that the ages one to six tend to be the toughest. That's what we tend to see across the board. 
but we also know that males are more likely to experience this. We don't necessarily know why, but we do know that for a lot of kids and the intensity at which they experience food neophobia can obviously vary greatly. But this is something that we really do see and is a real thing in kids that they have this fear of new foods. To us, it's like, what's so scary about it? You know, like, what is what bad is going to happen? This is not going to jump up off the plate and attack you. Nothing bad's going to happen. But for them, this fear is real. And we need to remind ourselves of that and be patient with them. The next category that we have is all around sensory. Their sensory reactivity, their sensory processing, and this is all on a wide range, varying from kid to kid, whether they might be extra sensitive or undersensitive, so like hypersensitive or hyposensitive to different things like textures, smells, temperatures, or even colors. These all can greatly impact the decision a child makes to eat a food or not and is a valid reason why food aversion can occur. So often as a parent, this is something you would notice in other areas as well. Like maybe they really don't like touching different things. They don't like their hands being wet or messy. They don't want to touch sand. They flip out about mud. There are certain things like that where you might say, okay, this isn't just food that I'm noticing this with, it's other things too. Maybe they are always noticing smells and it seems like they experience it so much stronger than you do. That can be a real thing. Temperatures. So something that we do do in my Picky Eater course, Simple Steps to Picky Wins, is we have a whole section where we evaluate these different sensory inputs and where your child might feel one way or another about this. And we actually use that to guide us and help us to find which foods are going to be easier for you to introduce and which foods are going to be harder. But it's something that's really important to pay attention to with your child. Now, there might not be any sort of diagnosis attached to this, but there can be. So feeding difficulties with your child selective eating, picky eating, these can be symptoms of conditions like sensory processing disorder, like ADD or ADHD, autism, or maybe avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, which is ARFID. That's more rare. But these things can co-occur with picky eating. So Never brush off any of your intuitions or instincts about your child needing help in a certain area. Like, if your pediatrician is just like, oh, you know, most kids are picky at this age, something like that, try to talk to somebody else about it, especially if you're noticing that they're having these sensory problems in other areas as well. Now, the last thing that I'm going to cover is these intrinsic factors for picky eating is their emotional temperament. And there is such growing evidence that this really plays a role. And their temperament, if we want a definition here, is the personal characteristics that are biologically based, as evident from birth onwards, are consistent across situations, and have some degree of stability. So when we talk about things being innate, intrinsic, like your child is born with it, 
there is a big part of their temperament, their emotional temperament that they are born with. What we see in the research is a child who has a predisposition to get easily upset and distressed consistently. This is associated with food fussiness or food pickiness. And this really correlates with what I've seen in working with families is that we do see these kids who are more reactive. Maybe they appear to be overreacting about small things. And you're like, why, why do these little things make them so upset? They're resistant to changes. That really throws them off. Getting out of their routine. All of these things are part of who they are. And they can grow to be really great parts of them. But when it comes to your feeding relationship with them, it definitely can present a challenge. So I hope listening to this does make you feel a little bit better that, you know, it's not all on you. Whoever has made you feel that way, or maybe you're just hard on yourself, there are so many things that are not in your control. It's just who they are, and this is one of their challenges. All kids have challenges. I want that to be really clear. Because I feel like you can sometimes watch social media and people curate what they share, and that's fine. You don't have to. I tend to be an oversharer, but not everybody is like that. That's okay. I don't want you, though, to perceive the lack of them talking about problems with their kids as evidence that it doesn't exist. Like, I honestly am so surprised when I open up to people, you know, in a more private setting about some of the challenges that we're having. They usually share something that they are going through as well. And it's totally normal, whether it's educational related, behavior related, health related. There's always stuff going on, and that's totally normal. It's very common, and you are not the only one. The other things that can affect picky eating and its severity and even its duration, how long you guys really struggle with it, are those extrinsic factors that are the environmental things, the family dynamics. And those are things that I help you through in my Picky Eater course because there are things we do that we don't even realize are going to affect picky eating, but they don't cause it. (laughs) Let me be clear maybe you're like the worst influence with food, okay? Maybe you eat Cocoa Puffs for breakfast every single morning. You eat the same ham sandwich for lunch every single day, and you eat mac and cheese for dinner every single night. Like, that alone is not going to cause your child to not want to try new things. Might they be more interested in trying new things if you made more of a variety? Yeah, sure. But it's not going to be the only thing that plays a role. So you as their parent are in the best position to be part of the solution to help them eat more foods, help them feel more comfortable around different foods, help them have a healthy relationship with food. And I love that I get to be able to support y'all in that because feeding doesn't go away, right? Like no matter what, they've got to eat every single day. And if you're the primary one who's doing that, you don't get a break, really. 
it's something that comes up over and over and over again. So I want to be there to support you through it. I'm happy to do that. It brings me great joy to help you guys and see the wins that you get along the way. So if you are in this place where you're struggling with it, I would highly recommend that you join us inside of the Picky Wins course. It's self-paced. You do it on your own pace. It's not some college-level curriculum here. It's broken down into small, short videos by topics that you can take these things one by one and make these small steps and you will see improvement. Whether you work on it every day, you work on it twice a week, you can see results. So I want you to have faith, I want you to have hope, and I'm here for you. Okay, thanks for being here today. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.